Matthew 5, verse 17 through 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass away from the law until it's all accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes on one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're in a series, Will, that we are calling The Righteous Life of Christ. Yep. Love it. We oftentimes in Christendom, um, and you and I are of Christendom. Sure are. And so I'm, I'm describing ourselves here, <laughs> okay? We talk a lot about the birth of Christ. Yep. Christmas. We talk a lot about the death of Christ. Yep. Cross, Good Friday. We talk a lot about the resurrection, Easter. Yep. We probably talk less so about the ascension of Christ, that we should probably talk more about it. We mm -hmm. talk a lot about maybe the... Um, Jesus on his throne. Well, obviously. yeah, yeah, glorification. But I was going to say even like the coming of the Holy Spirit and living That's by true, the Spirit. Yeah. We talk about the life of Christ, but I don't think that we talk about it in this way, mm -hmm. that Jesus has come to fulfill all righteousness. Yeah. That Jesus has come to actually achieve a righteous record. It's and a tall so, order. Yeah. And so that I think is interesting. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus has come to fulfill, you know, all righteousness? And so we're actually going to talk about that uh, this month. Like, what does it mean that Jesus has come to fulfill all righteousness? Um, and I think I think a lot of times it doesn't mean what you think it means. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's kind of what we want to attack, you know, in this series. Like, what is true righteousness? Mm. Um, I think people thought that Jesus was like abolishing the law and the prophets. Yeah, um, because he was he was behaving in a different way than was acceptable at his time. Mm -hmm. You know, sure. But what he's saying here is like, no, no, no. <laughs> I love the law and the prophets. Like I am living by the law and the prophets. In fact, I am fulfilling the law and the prophets. I am doing actually what the law and the prophets command me to do. And so he go, he doubles down. He says, if you relax on the least of the commandments, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. Um you know, and then he, he says, of course, your righteousness says, has to exceed the scribes and the Pharisees, which kind of implies that the, the scribes and the Pharisees are not righteous, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and he says that is the way into the kingdom of heaven. So what Jesus is doing in his life, achieving this righteous record, is something that I think we need to think about more. Mm -hmm. That's what this series is really going to be about over the next few weeks. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's uh it's definitely obviously one of the big themes here is kind of the the whole Bible kind of impact and, and blueprint of uh the life of Jesus. So these help help me understand. Um, you know, I think you could easily misread this um into 
oh, like, should I be eating kosher? And, you know, right. like, should we still have priests uh, that have pomegranates sewn onto the fringe of, you know, Dee's doesn't have pomegranates sewn onto his blazer. Should I find right. a new church? Um, have we relaxed on something? Yeah, exactly. So, like, are, are, are we actually living this out? Like, obviously, but then we see uh, Peter's vision in Acts. Um, so when we put this in concert with like the idea of uh, Christ, you know, freeing us from the old law into this new covenant, how does this like fit into all that? Well, I think the church has struggled with this. Um, mm-hmm. Has struggled to understand kind of what this all means, mm-hmm. um, which is why, you know, we are people of the Reformation, mm-hmm. and so one of the great things that happened in the Reformation is that you know. Martin Luther helped us to finally understand this idea that we find in Romans one, that the righteous shall live by faith, right? The righteous shall live by faith. So faith is not just faith in the, um, faith is not just faith in, you know, the death of Jesus that, that pays for our sins. Faith is also faith in the righteousness of Jesus. Jesus has fulfilled all righteousness. Mm -hmm. So I think we can understand Jesus actually is fulfilling um, all the law. And um, and so through faith in him, as we look to him, th- you know, in his righteousness, we are counted righteous. So one of the things that means to be justified, we talk about this idea of the great exchange, is that your record of sin is given to Jesus. Mm-hmm. He willingly takes on and dies in our place on the cross you know, faces the wrath of God, mm-hmm. that his record of righteousness that he achieved in his life on earth is given now to you. And so in in one sense, we are called into the law. And in another sense that we are, of course, freed from the law. So how, the question, your question becomes, well, how do you know, like, which laws I'm like called into and which laws I'm, I'm freed of? Well, you know, uh, John Calvin talked a lot about the ceremonial law. Uh, he talked a lot about the civic law, and then he talked a lot about the moral law. I think those categories are somewhat helpful, um, but I don't think that they're like a complete understanding. So sure. I do think we see moral law in the Old Testament that is brought into the New Testament. It's reflected in the New Testament. Yeah. It's not that we don't need the Old Testament. We do, but... In, in a sense, like the, the law is like more fully understood in light of the cross, in light of, you know, who we are now in Christ, in light of this side of the cross. Mm-hmm. The ceremonial law is obviously the, this part of the Jewish system. This is kind of your whole point about the pomegranates. Um, the civic law is like a part of their kind of like how they were going to be run as a nation state. Mm-hmm. And of course, like we believe that that part of Israel, like Jesus has fulfilled, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he's also fulfilled all moral obligations too. And so the, the question we're asking is not how do we live in a pre-Christ Jewish sense? It's like, how do we now live into the new covenant? Mm-hmm. Well, all the ceremonial things that were like pointing to Jesus have been fulfilled. Like mm-hmm. we, we don't have to keep acting those things out in a sense. Jesus yeah. has kind of reinstituted a sacramental life that now, we are a part of. So we have baptism of the Lord's Supper instead of like circumcision and Passover mm-hmm. and a thing. So Jesus kind of like redeemed those parts of the law. But then there, in the same way, I think he's like redeeming the moral law too, meaning that like, it's not just don't murder, but don't have anger in your heart towards someone. Like he's saying like, look, I'm, I'm trying to lead you to actually have a pure heart of God. So 
we look at the law, and not that the law is not edifying, and not that the whole of the law is not edifying, but we look at the law through the lens of Christ in, in this kind of new creation, new life, new righteousness that he has called mm-hmm. us to. That was kind of, I said a lot there, but just... No, I, I think that's super helpful. And, you know, there there is a difference between fulfilling the law and accomplishing the law. You know, Jesus isn't just accomplishing the law by living a life where he doesn't murder anyone, but by fulfilling, like fulfilling is like reaching down into the heart of the law. And so what is the heart of do not murder? Well, he says it literally in the next section, uh, 21 through 26, it's anger. And so Christ is not only coming to live a life free from murder, but a life that's free from anger, like sinful anger. Which That's right. is astonishing, and you, you know, I do think like to that faith point, um, what what you were sort of hitting at, which I think is so helpful, is there's this part of the gospel uh, and a part of achieving righteousness through faith that we can often gloss over when we uh, preach the gospel. You know, a lot of times when we preach the gospel, it's like, do you believe that God loves you and that Christ died for you for your sins so that you can have eternal life? And that is the gospel, but it's also uh, much more and much more glorious than that. A lot of people can come to like, yeah, I like the idea of God wanting to die for me because he loves me. That's cool. But the tricky part of the gospel and what Paul calls the offense of the cross is that there's a self-recognition that I am unrighteous. Right, right, right. That I am the offender. And, and, you know, it's not just like the, this nice transactional, like, oh, Jesus died for me. It's coming to terms with my unrighteousness. My own ruinous. My ruinous. Yeah. And then in faith, looking to Jesus, who has not only accomplished the law, but fulfilled the heart of it. And can I can I double down on that, Will? I, I would love for you to double down. We're on not that. just ruined. This is the really great offense of the gospel. And this is why it's like a stumbling block. Yeah. Know? And this is why it's foolishness. Like, mm-hmm. It's not just our wickedness that ruins us. Mm. It's also our righteousness that ruins us. There you go. And this is why saving faith is so important, Mm. okay? Because you could say, well, okay, if I'm saved in the righteousness of Christ, then what of my own righteousness, right? Yeah. There's an old Belgic confession, 16th century Belgic confession. They do good stuff in Belgium. I mean, they used to. They used to. and so they did give us uh, Robert Lathauer. So <laughs> that's what I'm saying. They still got they, some good they stuff. Do, they yeah, do they good still stuff got some good stuff. Um, I don't know if they're writing good confessions. Of faith Great waffles. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's an old Belgic confession that says this. And I, I think this is great. Far from making people cold toward living in a pious and holy way. Okay. So basically he's he's kind of responding to, well, if I'm justified by faith, then why do I need to live in a you know what what good is it for me mm-hmm. to live in a pious and holy way like yeah. why would i just do whatever i want i'm justified yep. by the righteousness of jesus anyway yeah this is far from making people cold toward living living in a pious and holy way this justifying faith quite to the contrary so works within them that apart from it they will never do a thing out of love for god but only out of love for themselves and fear of being condemned does that make sense? Yeah. And so it's basically saying that like if if you are not justified by the righteousness of another, then how do you know if your righteousness is actually out of a love for God 
or only out of a fear of your own condemnation. Mm. It's like, I got to do enough righteousness to not be condemned, yeah. right? And what this is saying is if you already have righteousness, if you already have a righteous record, now you're free mm. to actually do a thing because you love God. Mm-hmm. Because you're not afraid of being condemned, mm-hmm. you're not, you know, you're not worried about being put out by God. You've already been accepted by God in the righteousness of Christ. So now, when we are righteous, we are truly righteous um, in love and thanksgiving for a good God. So I, I love, mm-hmm. um, I love that idea. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Well, we are going to continue through uh, this devotional series that we're doing. Um, and then we will be back together next week in Acts 7 as we continue uh, to consider this righteousness, this righteous life of Jesus. For Will Carlisle, I'm Jason Dees, and we'll meet you tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.